Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you after a tough, heartbreaking Sunday night loss. The Browns fall to the Ravens 16-10. to And what was a, a crazy game at many points and one where they ultimately felt short. I am going solo on this one, uh, recording this at 11.40 now after the game is over, and that's central time. So uh, Jordan obviously can't join me following his post-ESPN Cleveland responsibilities. He'll be on tomorrow to break this one down uh, alongside me. But in the meantime, I was trying to come up with something unique to say uh, about the game that, you know, stand out, you know, like we often do, you know, ahead of the podcast, sometimes with Jordan, sometimes, you know, I'm just on my own trying to think about, okay, what's my angle on this game that's different from everybody else. And I'm struggling. Uh, It feels like it's a lot of the same things that have happened uh, over and over again with the Browns. So instead I decided to to debut a, a new format uh, for talking uh, about the Browns. And this was inspired because I, I gave kind of my optimistic viewpoint ahead of the game in a, a chat with my friends and then a pessimistic viewpoint uh, about how I thought the game would go. And so I decided to do kind of the same thing, uh, you know, based on watching that game and share it all with you guys in, in the usual format that we go over, you know, the overall takeaway, offense, defense, all that kind of stuff. But Wanted to do that for this game because I think it's a helpful exercise to take a step back. And so if I'm being optimistic about overall uh, the game, I'd say this, that coming into the game, I thought the Browns were going to lose. They lost by six on the road to a Ravens team that's now eight and three. And they had the ball. You know, granted in a tough situation, but they had the ball, you know, with a chance to to tie up the game down the stretch. Hopefully it'll be a different story at home, you know, when they get the home fans in front of them. And instead they, you know, they were on the road in Baltimore, a tough environment to play. We all know that. So not a bad result. You know, if you just take the zoom out you and you just, hey, I didn't, you know, you didn't watch the game. You fell asleep early. You turn it on. Oh, the Browns lost 16 to 10. That's that's about right. Oh, they had the ball with a chance down the stretch. Okay, now that's not a bad re- result for this team based on what we would expect so far. So that would be my optimistic takeaway. The pessimistic takeaway, I think, is pretty obvious. This was an incredible effort from the defense, the four interceptions, and everything else that they did on that side of the ball. And ultimately, the Browns squandered an incredible chance here. An incredible chance, not only to be the division rival, to get right back in the divisional race, but also to get back in the playoff wildcard race, too, even if they don't win the division, based on how the game shook out today. I mean, the Broncos won today, which is great for the Browns because they obviously have the head-to-head tiebreaker over uh, the Broncos. The Bengals won today. Again, a good result for the Browns. They lost to the Steelers. They beat the Bengals. That's what you want to see. The Patriots won today. The Browns want the Patriots to win that division because guess what? If they end up in a tiebreaker with Buffalo, that's better than ending up in a tiebreaker with the Patriots, who they lost to. All of this stuff broke right for the Browns today. 
uh, that wasn't in their control. Everything that wasn't in their control broke right. On top of that, in the game, something that was in their control, you know, they, they had four interceptions. Teams had won 41 straight games when the opposing quarterback threw four-plus interceptions like Lamar did today. And despite all of that, uh, the Browns come out on the wrong side of this. So that's the pessimistic viewpoint. And I think that, you know, that uh, that's not exactly groundbreaking by any means, but that uh, it's pretty clear that the Browns had a chance here and were unable to deliver. And you just don't know if that will be happening in two weeks when they take on this Ravens team again, or even if it will matter that game in two weeks, because they they've got such a difficult stretch coming uh, their way to end the season. So, all right, let's, let's talk about the offense. Cause I think this is the hardest one. And so I want to get it out of the way first, as far as how to be optimistic. And I think the thing I'm most optimistic about is there were times there were throws where I thought, Hey, Baker is starting to look a little bit like his old self that I, I thought that throw to Landry, Late in the game, you know, on, on a crossing route behind the zone coverage where he was able to fit that one in nicely. I thought even on the first drive, he had a couple of nice throws to Landry, you know, over 100 yards receiving for Jarvis in this game. That's a good result there. And I thought there were a couple different times where, yes, the Browns receivers sometimes dropped the ball. Uh, sometimes the pass wasn't completed that he actually made some pretty accurate throws that didn't even go down as completion. So 18 for 37 isn't a great stat line obviously but also I thought it might be a little misleading I thought he actually you know had a better game than he's had the last couple weeks uh which you know is a step in the right direction I'm not going to go as far as to say it was amazing or, or or frankly really even all that good but there were flashes and I think if you're a Browns fan trying to get optimistic here you know that you need the Baker Mayfield from the second half of last season, or at least, you know, something close to resembling that if they're going to make a run here down the stretch. And I think that quarterback could still be in him. I'm not optimistic that it's going to come out, but I, I you know, I did see some things tonight that, uh, that gave me a flicker of hope. I also thought, frankly, as the game went along, and this may be an unpopular take, but I actually thought the Browns made some decent adjustments in this game in the second half. And I know it didn't result in a lot of points, but they were able to get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands quickly on a couple routes that uh, that uh, worked well against the Ravens blitz. They were able to fit Jarvis Landry in behind those linebackers that were playing so aggressive at the line of scrimmage. I thought uh, they had a couple of runs uh, that were a little bit more successful in the second half. And then you know, they, they called a great screenplay uh, against the Blitz that that resulted in the Baker Mayfield turnover because he dropped the ball. But uh, that was a nice little adjustment from Stefanski that should have worked. So the Browns clearly had some limitations on the offensive side of the ball, but I actually thought they might have found a couple of things that could bode well for their matchup in a couple of weeks. I, I, do, I do think there were a couple of things that you were like, okay, I'm starting to see the offense move the ball a, a little bit here. And then the last thing is I thought Kareem Hunt looked really good when he was in there. Now, of course, you know, the, the pessimist immediately, and this is still the optimistic section, but the pessimist is going to say, oh, why wasn't he in there more? I'm going to guess that that Kareem Hunt was on a snap count. That's pure speculation. I don't know that. 
But to me, that's the only uh, explanation that makes sense for why Chubb was in there sometimes on passing situations, why Felton was in there at times. And I, Browns fans who watch this team a lot know how this rotation typically works, where Kareem Hunt will come in for a full drive, uh, you know, to, to sub out Nick Chubb. And, and they didn't do any of that. And so I know, I, I think I saw some reports that his dad was upset and going off on Facebook Live after the game. But uh, again, I could be wrong there. You just, you add up the dots and it seems like that's probably the case. Also, again, in a passing situation at the end of the game, they had to earn Johnson in the game, which yes, you know, Johnson's probably your, your third down back when Hunt's not there. And so he's going to know the pass protections and stuff like that on all, you know, plays where you're expecting it to pass, but that's a situation where it would make sense for Kareem Hunt to be in. So my only thought is that he, he was on a snap count of some kind. They may not say that publicly, uh, but just some speculation on my end. And so I'm hopeful in two weeks, he comes after, you know, off the bye with more time to heal that calf injury, that, that it'll be full go with him and Chubb. And that maybe we'll start to see a little bit more of that two-headed monster that Browns fans are so used to accustomed to seeing in that backfield. Well, the pessimist side of the Browns offense is really pretty easy, but I'll start with the fact that, you know, point one being the offense really should have scored six points, not 10. And that's because David Njoku did not catch that touchdown pass. I will take it as Browns fans. And that's what I said in the moment in the thigh pad part of it definitely made it uh, confusing enough that, that I guess they decided there wasn't clear enough evidence to overturn that call, but Let's be honest, Browns fans. He didn't catch that ball. I think we can all be honest with each other. You know, this is a, a safe place. That ball hit the ground. Uh, the back angle showed that it hit the ground. And, and again, there's enough confusion that I get, well, you know, the whole not overturning it thing, but he didn't really catch that ball. And if he doesn't catch that ball, it's third down. And the Browns are probably going for three there, not six. So, you know, the, the second pessimistic point I would make is just a larger overall point, which is this, that this game was a microcosm of the Browns season on offense as a whole. There are basically three problems with this offense. Right now, teams are selling out to stop the run. The Ravens did that in a massive, almost uh, way that, that, you know, similar to what we've seen the last couple of weeks, but they, again, continued to ration it up to a pretty high level where they, they went with five down linemen, three linebackers, and very often, you know, brought a safety blitz on, on first down. Sometimes Marlon Humphrey was tucked into the formation as part of things as well, because, you know, we'd have so many tight ends out there and they wouldn't take Humphrey off the field, but there were eight or nine guys in the box a lot a lot and the broadcast highlighted it, but that is unusual and really, uh, I, I shouldn't say unusual. It's not unusual against the Browns the last couple of weeks, but teams aren't doing that against other teams. I mean, that's the whole revolution in defense this season, right? Against the chiefs and the bills is two high safeties at all times, you know, daring teams to run the football teams are doing the opposite uh, of that against the Browns. They are daring the Browns to throw the football and they can't. And why can't they? Well, because the Browns currently have a quarterback that isn't making a whole lot of splash plays with his arm. And we can get into why that is, but, uh, but certainly some of it is not his fault of some of it 
is also definitely his fault as well. And, and then he can't make any plays with his legs either, which was such a huge component of, of this offense last season, you know, with the bootlegs, with, uh, you know, just uh, all of the deep drops out of play action, getting Baker on the move was a huge component of this offense. He's great on the move because I think it gives him a little bit more, uh, you know, opportunity to see outside of the pocket. Frankly, I think he at sometimes is more accurate on the move, strangely. And the Browns just haven't been able to do that a ton with him this year. And I think that's in large part to the injuries. I mean, they talked about how he wanted to make more plays with his feet this week. And, and they started, you know, using him uh, on some of that bootleg stuff. I think that was the first drive he bootlegged out to his left. But then, you know, he had to scramble on one play early in the game. He scrambles on the second drive out of bounds and he comes up limping. He comes up limping. He's just beat up. It, there's just no way to really judge him, you know, if he's this beat up. And if he can't make explosive plays, it's tough against this defense. I mean, yes, I get that they were one of the worst run defenses coming into the game, but they are, you know, a, a defense with a lot of good players on it. And so when they were intending to stop the run, they were able to do much better. And this is a team that's given up explosive pass plays. Browns couldn't hit them. And again, as I said, part of that is Baker, but part of that's also obviously the receivers. And the receivers really had no separation in this game at all, uh, especially in man coverage. The one bright spot was Jarvis Landry could find some soft pockets in zone coverage, but anytime they were in man, they were struggling. And I, and I think, you know, that's really my only explanation for why they, it's, they were targeting Donovan Peoples-Jones against Marlon Humphrey. At first, I was like, what are they doing? Like, Marlon Humphrey is one of the five best corners in the league, and they're going at him? Not That doesn't make any sense, but then you just think about it, and you're like, well, who else are they going to throw the ball to? I mean, the other receivers on this team are Landry, a guy who likes to operate out of the slot often. Uh, Schwartz was inactive tonight. Rashard Higgins, inexplicably a healthy scratch tonight. Kevin Stefanski saying after the game, it was part of the game plan this week. Well, I don't know how that makes any sense because Jojo Natson was on the, you know, it was active tonight. He basically is a kick returner. He does not actually add any downfield explosive threat. If that's the idea, which I get the idea of like, okay, Higgins, four, seven guy. He's not going to stretch the top of this defense. We need somebody that can do that. But Jojo Natson's not really that guy, at least, you know, he might be in theory, but he's never been a productive NFL player like that. So I don't know what the thinking was there. And then of course they've got your Marcus Bradley out there too. So I don't know, to me, this, uh, this wide receiver court did the decision to bench hands didn't make any sense. And overall, they just did not have a good game. They haven't had a good season. So that that's kind of a part two of the struggles of the offense. And then part three is they can't convert on third downs. Once again, two for 11 on third and medium and long. So you just can't sustain drives. If you can't convert on third down. Finally, my last pessimistic point on the offense is boy, without Jack Conklin, it is going to be tough in the immediate for this team because not only is it going to be tough against the Ravens next week, but then they play the Raiders after that, who has a pretty deep uh, pass rush as well with Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. And look, I love Blake Hans. He went to my alma mater, Northwestern. I've talked about how he, you know, he's been a serviceable backup at times. 
he got smoked in this game, guys. It was so, so bad. I'm curious to see what the PFF grade is on a game like this because the Browns basically decided once he came in that they were not going to run the ball to the right. So I don't know how you grade that, but they were like, no, we're, we're not doing this. Every run went, went to the left after Jack Conklin went down. And the Browns clearly couldn't run the ball, you know, averaging less than three yards to carry in this game. They ran the ball to the right one time. Blake Hans totally whiffed on who he was supposed to block. And, and I think it was uh, Patrick Queen was the one that, that shot in and made the tackle for like a four-yard loss. And then they were like, yeah, enough of that. In terms of pass protection, they're lucky Oway didn't have more sacks. He roasted Blake Hans like six different times in this game, just immediately off the ball was in Baker Mayfield's lap. That's going to be a problem in two weeks, and I don't really see how it gets better. Jack Conklin, it's Adam Schefter said the Browns fear. He tore his patellar tendon. I'm going to go ahead and say he tore his patellar tendon, guys. I mean, when he was walking off the field, his knee totally buckled. You don't see that unless, you know, a, a ligament there is missing or a tendon like that is missing. It, it, it The way it happened, it looked really bad. So the Browns are going to have to cobble together a solution there, but this is what they have to deal with. They haven't had healthy tackles basically all season. Their swing tackle, Chris Hubbard, has been on IR all season. You've got Blake Hansen there. There's really nothing else to say other than they you got to hope he has a better game than he did this week because he got owned in this game. And, and it's tough when you have a, a guy that can't run or pass block in there, especially against this Ravens defensive line that, like we talked about at the top of this defense, ahead of the game, not a lot of weaknesses and definitely not on that defensive line. Okay, shifting over to the defensive side of the football. Plenty to be optimistic about here. I think really the place I want to start is from, you know, the outset as far as the Browns finally were, were healthy with everybody on defense and they played the guys they were supposed to play. That's one thing I think the, that Joe Woods has gotten right most of the year. They are at their best when they play with three safeties and then JOK and Anthony Walker on the field. And they played that way a ton in this game, most of the game, uh, when it made sense. And, and they saw the, the the fruits of that finally paying off. This team had tons of speed out there. They were keeping up with Lamar. They were physical enough in the run game. Grant Delpit caused tons of problems. I thought Ronnie Harrison playing as a, you know, a hybrid linebacker safety in the box was good. John Johnson made a number of plays. You saw the theory of this defense really come together in an exciting way. Uh, because of the personnel that they had on the field. Now, on top of that, optimistic point number two is they had four interceptions. And they had four interceptions because, you know, they were confusing Lamar Jackson. They got tons of pressure. And, and they were making plays that, that this defense hasn't made for most of the season. So, finally, when everybody was healthy, you know, getting having Delpit in there, having Ronnie Harrison in there, having JOK in there, you start to see what this defense could be. Maybe what it may be next year, because they may not have, you know, ultimately anything on the line this year, but you started to see the theory there and how this team could put together a, a solid unit on the field. So that was really exciting. 
And then I think the other, you know, just a really exciting part, and I, and I somewhat touched on it there, was this Browns front office seems to know what it's doing in the draft, man, because I think there's a real chance JOK is an all-pro at some point in his career. I mean, he was everywhere tonight. They, they were singling out him tackling Lamar Jackson, which he was phenomenal at, by the way. That's who you drafted him to be, and he executed. He was all over the place tracking Lamar from sideline to sideline, but he also played pretty physical in the run game. He had a couple of tackles where he stood up the running back where he was able to get off the blocks from these physical Ravens linemen and in their fullback Richard. So I thought he top, you know, top to bottom had one of the more impressive games I can ever remember from a Browns linebacker in, in this game. He was incredible. And it wasn't just him. The first round pick Greg Newsom. The Ravens tried to pick on Greg Newsom, and the broadcast was like, oh, I you know, expect them to go at him with Marquise Brown. Yeah, good luck. Greg Newsom was a blanket tonight. Every time they threw at him, he was all over the receiver, no separation, and, and most of the time the guys weren't coming up with a catch. So Greg Newsom, I thought, had a fantastic game as well that deserved to be singled out. He's rounding into form. And like I mentioned, Grant Delpit, a, a guy that you know has been maligned with injuries, that's not, you know, has had flashes this season for sure, but hasn't had uh, a lot of consistent games. I thought had a really consistent game today. Thought he was solid in coverage. I thought you know the the play he made picking off Lamar Jackson was a great play. I thought he at, at times came into the box and mixed things up as well. So all those guys, I thought had games that were worthy of recognition in this one and bode well for the future of this defense because they're the young guys that you've got under contract for a while. Now, the pessimistic side of the defense is this, I think, is that the four interceptions masked the fact that I was still a little befuddled by the game plan by Joe Woods. Teams have had a ton of success blitzing Lamar Jackson these last few weeks and when the Browns did it in this game, they also had success, but they didn't do it a lot. And I don't really know why. So I hope they do that a lot more in the next game because yes, they got pressure on Lamar, but you can see what happens. The guys like Garrett and Clowney, you know, they're just, they're not enough to take him down one-on-one in space. Cause even if one of those guys gets home, he's just, so slippery Lamar that that these guys don't tackle him a lot of the times. And, and the broadcast was poking fun at Davion Clowney, but what teams have realized is that it's it doesn't matter how good your athletes are on the defensive line. They're just not going to get there and be able to bring him down, even if they do get there. So you've got to bring pressure and really corral Lamar Jackson, force him to take his eyes you know, from downfield to right in front of him. And then hopefully, you know, rally to the football like he's a running back at times, even though he's in the pocket. They didn't do that in this game. And, and so while Clowney and Garrett got a lot of pressure, I think what you saw, the result was sometimes still was they couldn't bring him down and they couldn't stop those magic plays from Lamar happening in key moments. There was the, that long pass down the sideline, or Mark Andrews actually caught the ball, but it was pass interference anyway. There was a Mark Andrews tight, you know, touchdown where, where Garrett went over and shook Lamar Jackson's hand. But by the way, I don't really like from Garrett in the game. Cool after the game. I don't know. I, I it, it does. It's not a big deal, but 
I don't like shaking your opponent's hand in game like that. It's just the attitude. I, uh, I don't really care for it there. But anyway, those magic plays, the Ravens still came up with them when they needed them. And that's the fact of the matter is, yeah, they, they only scored 16 points. They didn't have a great offensive game. And all of those things are true. But when a play had to be made, Lamar still made it. Despite the four interceptions, he was on the winning side for a reason in this one. And then I think the last reason I'd be a little pessimistic is those last couple of drives, it did feel like the Ravens started to find something with their power run game. The downside to playing three safeties and JOK on the field is you're definitely a little light in the pants uh, against a team that likes to run the ball down your throat as well in, in the interior. And so I wonder if they will start to exploit that more next week if, or in two weeks, excuse me, if the Browns continue to roll out those light lineups uh, in the, with, you know, three safeties and JOK on the field. I don't know. Maybe that, you know, that was just a product of, of the game, you know, game time and score, but that started to make me a little bit concerned going into next week as well. Okay. So that's optimistic, Henry. That's pessimistic, Henry, for all sides of the, uh, of the board. And then I think, you know, just going forward here, I think the optimistic Henry would say this. If Baker can get healthy, maybe the Browns can make a run here because I really don't think this team, everybody is just destroying you know, the offense, all the, all the fans, all, all the media personalities. I really think it comes down to, hey, if Baker's a little healthier and teams can't sell out on the run, I think a lot of this will come together more so than people think. So they had the buy later than anybody this year. Clearly, they could have used it earlier than they got it this year, but it's here now. Give him two weeks. Maybe Baker's heel is better. Maybe he's moving around a little bit more. It can only help. It can only help. And if you've got the defense that showed itself tonight on the other side of the field, maybe you don't need the Baker Mayfield from the last eight weeks of the season. Maybe you just need something in the middle between what he's been so far this season and what he showed last season, and that's enough to get it done. So. That's the optimistic side of things. I think the pessimistic side of things here is just, yes, the defense has been healthy, but you know these, these cluster injuries that tackle make it really hard for the Browns to run the offense the way they want to. And you know, two weeks is two weeks. Maybe that's enough to help Baker, but we're talking about a torn labrum that's not going away. We're talking about injuries to the knee, injuries to the heel. It just it may just be too much to overcome. And, and I do think at some point it's just difficult to judge this team with an injured quarterback. And on top of that, you know, the last pessimistic thing I'd say is, is the schedule's brutal here. They play the Ravens, the Raiders, the Packers, the Steelers, and the Bengals. Boy, I mean, then that's not, not a single gimme there. And if they're going to make the playoffs, they probably got to go four and one, get to 10 and seven. I mean, maybe three and two is enough, depending on tiebreakers, but probably not. You never know. But that's uh that's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. So hope you enjoyed this optimistic Henry, pessimistic Henry, as I just basically talked myself here after midnight in Chicago after a tough, tough game. It's, you know, one of those games that you go into it, maybe you don't have that high of expectations, but then based on how it's played out, you know, you all of a sudden you're on the edge of the, your seat and the heart gets torn up once again. So that's how I felt a little bit, Browns fans. But hey, I try to give you as many reasons as possible to be optimistic as well in this podcast. Didn't want to come on and just do a straight pessimistic podcast. So you got a little bit of both. 
And we'll see how Jordan feels about this one tomorrow when he jumps on. And then we'll you know move on to some bye week content and get ready for the next matchup against the Ravens here in two weeks. So Browns fans, until then, you can find me at Henry underscore Ettinger. Uh, and you know, find all of the the Blue Wire content uh, as well. You know, on the Blue Wire website. You know, we're gonna have plenty of more content on this feed for you, including probably featuring some featuring some of our other Browns podcasters here during the bye week. So, Browns fans, I'll talk to you soon here with Jordan. But until then, two words for you: Go Browns. <laughs>